and welcome to the Cleopatra's Bling podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Cummings, founder of the jewellery brand Cleopatra's Bling. This month, we return for season two of the Cleopatra's Bling podcast, where we continue to meet the creatives and craftspeople who inspire our artisanal jewellery collections. Last season, we met with a beekeeper poet, a wild woman dancer and a mermaid historian. The male boxer you see fighting it out in the ring at the Olympics or the man who comes round to repair your burst water pipe. These might be the last kinds of people you would stereotypically expect to pull off their gloves to reveal bright nail polish. Our guest today, Harry Garside, happens to be both a professional fighter and a tradesman. He also happens to be a laid-back pioneer of the diverse possibilities of gender expression, having sported colourful nail polish in the ring. His hands were shown to the world when the gloves came off for a celebration of his bronze medal winning stoush. I played a role, like a lot of my childhood, about how I thought I was supposed to act and it didn't feel authentic. You can do whatever you want to do, like you could become a chef, you become an actor, you could you know what I mean? Like anything you can put your mind to that's humanly possible, like you can do that. His passion for boxing is undeniable, but it's clear that his drive for self-expression and advocacy goes well beyond the sport. We got to know each other one Sunday in spring. So who introduced you to your sport and what sort of what drew you to boxing? Uh, I have like two answers to this question. The first one, watch too many Rocky films, which is 100% accurate. And then the second one is like, I have two older brothers who are really manly, youngest of three boys, and, and dad was very old fashioned, very old school. And I just like, didn't feel like them whatsoever. They didn't do boxing, but like, they were really blokey. And I was just not like them at all. And, and I think I started it just to gain a bit of respect from them, to be honest, and then I fell in love with the sport. Okay, so are they mm. still really blokey? Yeah, 100%. Would they call <laughs> themselves blokey, or would they just call themselves normal? Oh, normal for this area, but I've left this area, so it's like that mm. makes sense. Like, yep. yeah, that would be that would just classify themselves as normal. Yeah, for sure. Okay, it's yeah. so interesting. The word normal is so loaded. Yeah, <laughs> so true. Yeah, do you have idols in boxing? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to, um, I can't show you because I'm wearing trackies. I'm wearing a full leg sleeve with all my favorite <laughs> favorite fighters. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, all boxers. So they're um. Like, Muhammad Ali's on there. Some other ones you probably wouldn't know. But, like, yeah, they're all, like, really famous boxers. And, I don't know much um, about boxing. Yeah, they'll have probably the only one you would know on my leg is Muhammad Ali. But, um, yeah, they've all got, like, either extremely good boxers or, like, they stood for something outside the ring as well, which is pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, so I need to go back to what you said about gaining respect. Did it work? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I... To be honest, I, I believe I I believe I have. Um, I don't have a good relationship with one of my brothers. I haven't seen him in a few years. He's battling his own problems. He's the oldest. Uh, but my middle one, um, he definitely... I, I do believe there was an element of jealousy, I think. I, I felt that from like when he was a little, maybe 20 to 23. But now he's a little bit older and he's like... I think he's just a lot more accepting of me and I work with him as a plumber. Um, so yeah, he's like a really, he's a really like big role model for me. Um, but there was an element where it's like, we, we like sort of grew apart because it was mm. like, a, I felt a little bit of jealousy. Okay. 
And your father? Yeah, he... <laughs> um, it's like growing up, my dad was blokey as bloke. Like, I never saw him cry until I was about 16. And then he, like, cried to me out the front. Um, obviously, been holding on to his own stuff his whole life. Um, and then he cried to me out the front when I was about 16. And ever since then, it's like he's making up for lost time. He's really emotional now, which is fantastic. Um, but prior to that, he was like a real blokey bloke. And, um, yeah, like, like I'm grateful now that he's like, you mean, a bit more comfortable and able to show emotion a bit more. Mm. Um, because he actually is role modelling, like, like a good... Like when I was younger, I sort of struggled. But then definitely now he's um he's definitely made some moves on his life which I'm like extremely grateful for and, mm. and proud of him to be honest. Yeah. I guess seeing the transformation also is inspirational in your dad. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, like I think naturally as humans, well I felt I feel completely different now than what I did five years ago. It's like we're constantly evolving and changing and and it's like some people are taking longer or some people, but they're still growing. Like everyone is learning from each experience. And, and my dad has done some things in the last sort of five, six years that like are really conscious decisions. And I'm really proud of him for that. Um, I feel like prior to, prior to like five, six years ago, I feel like he wasn't as conscious and aware. So, um, I don't know if I played a role in that. I have no idea, but, um, like proud to see the growth in him, to be honest. Mm. So when your relationship with your dad changed, did your relationship to boxing change? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think the relationship with myself changed. Maybe not so the boxing, but like me and my dad went through a period where it's like up until about 15, like you look at your parents like they're superheroes. Or I definitely did. Anything they mm. said, I was like, mate, they, you mean they could say the sky's purple and I would believe it like mm. and it's like I was like very young and naive and, and then I got to about 15 and I started questioning the things that I was hearing growing up and I'm like maybe that's not right you know what I mean and then mm. I started questioning and challenging him um and there was like a period from about 15 to 19 20 where it's like I was like going at him hard like no nah, you're wrong you're wrong you know what I mean and it's like we had like a severe battle in that time and then I got I got to 20 and I was like Honestly, I don't have to be like that, but I love him no matter what. And you can have any view that you want to have. I don't have to agree with it, but I know he's a good man. So it's like, mm. I don't have to agree with your point of view on life or whatever you think's going on like in this world. But like, I love you because I know you're a good human. Like, that's where I've come to now. So it's yeah. like from that point, from about 20 to 24 now, we've had a lot better relationship. There's less judgment from me about his views. and Because um, I, I actually don't think you can change someone by saying you're wrong, you're wrong, by pointing the finger at them. I think it almost strengthens their beliefs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like by being able to just like have a genuine conversation with him on the same level and, and trying to understand his perspective and then maybe trying to throw in, hey, this is why I believe what I believe. Um yeah, and I think that's a good way to change people, or not change people, but like make them start questions in their head. Mm. Yeah, mimicking in a way. Mm. People mimic each other. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously like it's a very typically masculine sport, um, and your plumbing as well is quite a masculine um, profession. <laughs> How would you say that you've tried to break free from these stereotypes of masculinity? And do you think the exposure to the 
masculine Australian blokey world, as you put it, blokey bloke. Um, <laughs> how has that sort of made you question gender sort of stereotypes? Yeah, I felt, and I've been very vocal with this, like I felt growing up, and I'm still sifting through it, that's why I'm really passionate about it is because I feel mm. like the things we're most passionate about is the things we're trying to work out the most. Yeah. Um, and it's like I played a role like a lot of my childhood about how I thought I was supposed to act and it didn't feel authentic. And it's like only in the last three, four years have I really been sort of like questioning like like you mean toxic masculinity or just even just some of the character traits that I grew up with, you know what I mean? And it's like, like I think growing up in that environment, you mean, and there is some really good male traits. There actually is. And, And then also like, like you mean how they're proud and, and how they they're like I'm not saying that women aren't but like like male traits are they're very proud and they they work really hard and um you mean like in in this area it's like my dad gets up every morning and, and he's the hardest worker and he likes to provide for the family and like like they, I admire him for that mm. you mean there's some really good traits that like you mean I'm very proud to have a dad that has showcased that to me so it's like I I feel like I question a lot of it a lot of the time and try and navigate it myself. But, like, there is a lot that, like, I'm grateful that I grew up around and I can question and I can figure out if that's something that I want to take onto my life. So, um, yeah, I've had some bloody good role models. I've had some terrible ones too, but I've had some bloody good role models in my life. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the, the need to say that there are good masculine traits comes from the, um sort of the new age feminism that slanders men a lot of the time and doesn't acknowledge the strengths. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I heard this good quote of a movie. Um, we live in a time now where girls become women and men become boys. Mm. I'm like, I totally agree with that. And it's like, like I want equality 100% because the reality is in Western civilization, especially there is absolutely no difference you know what I mean? Between males and females. And there shouldn't be anywhere else. But I understand culturally there is in other places of the world. But in Western civilization, I just like... It It blows my mind. It baffles me that there actually is still a divide between mm. the two genders. Like, it's like in Parliament. Why is there not 50-50 representation? Or at least 60-40 given 10% each way? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why is... And I'm like, I just don't understand that. It, it blows my mind. But um, I do think we are getting better it's a slow process mm. but like, i do think we are getting a lot better and um i'm just like i'm really passionate obviously being a male but i'm just curious to see what our young males like teenagers and you know wonder what they're thinking right now or like because like we they get scrutinized for things they can't even hold you know what I mean it's like young yeah. young boys i feel and they can't even help it they get scrutinized like you're toxic masculine and they're like what like I'm yeah. just figuring out the world myself and um, I'd just be curious to see how they're dealing with this whole thing, mm. like how they're dealing with this transitional stage. Um, and it'll be interesting, you won't, you won't sort of know for another 10, 15 years when they're grown adults, like how they're actually going. Yeah, I think potentially institutionally there's more um, care taken with pushing roles onto mm. little children, I would hope so. But from what I've heard... You know, from people who have young children, there's less of a boys do this, girls do this, even from a young age in creche or preschool. So hopefully that allows kids to sort of form their own 
you know, identity. I was like outside and playing with like matchbox cars, matchbox cars with my brother when I was little <laughs> and doing woodwork and I didn't want to do ballet. So I was, but I was named a tomboy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So that's also yeah. kind of a, a very limiting stereotype yeah. as well to be told you're a tomboy. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that's half the reason why I like painting the nails was like just trying to showcase to any boy, girl, young boy and young girl, like you can do whatever you want. As long as you're not hurting anyone else. Yeah, You totally. can do whatever you want to do. Like you could become a chef, you become an actor, you could, you know what I mean? Like, anything you can put your mind to that's humanly mm. possible, like you can do that. Um, but yeah, I just feel like they kind of pigeonholed into like, hey, this is like, these are like male jobs. These are female jobs. You mean sort of go down that path. I'm like, nah, do whatever you want. So do you get comments about your nail polish? Um, or looks, I do obviously. Or... Yeah. Yeah. So I've done this a few times in my life, um, even prior to the Olympics. And to be honest, more females comment on it than males. Um, but I think that's because I've thought about it. And I think it's because... Like, females obviously pay attention to, to stuff like that. Like, it's not really a male thing to paint their nails in the area that I'm from. So a lot more females paid attention to it and were like, oh, why you got your nails painted? Um, <laughs> they're definitely... When I, first, when, I first, when I first did it and I was, like, 16, I come home and... <laughs> I, it was a joke, but kind of not a joke. Dad kicked me off the dinner table. Um, oh I had, like... <laughs> um, what so that's like. Red, completely yeah, just red. Go, so it was like you should have just done pink. Yeah, <laughs> so true. <laughs> really throw a spanner, spanner in the works. Yeah, I mean, red's pretty challenging still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I was just like, like it was a joke, but kind of not a joke. Um, but yeah, like it's it's actually been a pretty good response to be honest, mm. because I do think deep down the world is a lot more conscious now of like you mean the things that you mean. I feel like a hundred years ago. People didn't have that this much emotional intelligence. Um, yeah. They may have. I wasn't there, but I, I think this generation is really interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting because it's just like if you break it down, it's just some colour on your nails. Like, yeah, why does that challenge actually, people? I know, and it's actually like so where nail polish come from was the ancient Egypts and the people who wore it were the pharaohs, which were the highest power of the land. I was going to say to you, I'm pretty sure in the Middle East, hundreds of years ago, there would have been colourful nails. Yeah. So there you go. So it's just like, it just shows like the, like the transition and it's really like, why, why, like when you really think about it, like why is it a problem or why do you even question it? Um, Mm. So I hope that I'm just like sparking a conversation in people's head. Well, you are, got you on the podcast. (laughs) You. (laughs) (laughs) So I think a lot of people will be, you know, noticing it. Mm. Um, so why do you think that boxing is considered a masculine sport then? I, I just think if you, I'm, I love my history and, and I just think if you look back to the dawn, like the dawn ages, like males predominantly have gone to battle and fought, um, have been in combat. Uh, and I, and I honestly think the world we live in, we're told, that it's not right or it's like not natural, but I almost think it's the most natural thing that we can do. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not saying violence solves problems. It doesn't, but like the combat element of it, you mean, you're very vulnerable. Um, you, you mean like you're, you're getting in a ring with another, another human and it's just like, you're sharing a lot of energy and it's, it's like a weird dynamic. 
Um, but there's like respect, self-love, self-confidence. Um, these things are built. And I just think it's something that males predominantly have done for a long time. We've just been in combat. Mm. And do you know many women that do boxing? Heaps. Yeah, I used yeah. to do it, by the way. In Istanbul. When hey. I in Istanbul. Yeah, I used to do like two times a week boxing. Yeah, they're actually pretty good over there. I went and fought in Turkey in 2019. They, they, do you know their national sport? What is it? It's like... Soccer, maybe? Nah, that's what I thought. It's like a wrestling... It's like an Ottoman sport, and you wrestle yeah. covered in olive oil. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I love, I love that. <laughs> I love that so Not much. sunflower oil, <laughs> olive oil. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. The, um, the Eastern Europeans are really good at, like, like wrestling and, and grappling and, um, like, Armenia, places like that. They're really strong in that combat world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So interesting. I'll send you a link of some Turkish olive oil wrestling after this. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so if you're – so you seem to be, like, questioning masculinity a lot. Have, what are some of your most favourite masculine traits in yourself and your most favourite um, typically feminine traits? Yeah, it's like, I feel like this is a hard topic without like... Because the reality is both male and female have the traits. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. That makes sense. But it's a human trait. Um, it's just like I feel like social norms have like made us believe that it's like, you know what I mean, a, a male or a female trait. But like... I think from growing up, as I mentioned before, my dad was like the provider of the family and, mm. and like, like little things like that. He taught me to be very respectful of women and, and like open the door and, and stuff like that. And these are things that I actually do respect a lot in my dad and never once has he, you know, and just like little things how mum eats first at like when we go out for dinner and, and like, like just little things like that I saw a lot growing up. And these are things that I'm like, okay, that's how a male acts. And I still take that into my life today. Um, probably the more female traits that I have. Um, I feel like I'm a big empath, which I think is a lot more of a female trait. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like for... It's weird. I have this like weird dynamic with like when I don't... When I'm not connected to someone... This is like weird to say out loud, but I, I'm trying to figure it out myself. Like when I'm not really connected to someone, if they're crying, I feel it. I can feel it like so much. But then when I'm like connected to someone, um, I don't know. It's like the, like I, I don't know. Maybe it's like a, I don't believe that they should be feeling that pain because I know them more. It's, mm. it's weird. I don't understand it, but like it's like when, when I see someone else cry and I don't, I don't think, nah, like come on, duck it. Uh, is it even valid that you're crying right now? And I think that I judge myself for having that thought, but mm. like... Maybe um, it triggers something in you. Yeah, it probably does, for sure. I think we're all triggered by people that are feeling a lot. Yeah, and it's like when we know someone as well really well, um, it's like a different dynamic. Like we understand, we obviously don't know their inner, inner being, but like we know like a really good majority of who they are. Mm. And it's like, then it's like, it's like a family member when you see them crying sometimes, you're just like, uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it sort of it get, gets to me. Probably because that takes you back to the little, the little Harry. Mm. You know? Yeah, I've I've um I have a really terrible memory of my childhood. Um, I've never really sat down and thought about it too hard, but like, I don't remember heaps. Um, but like, there's obviously been some things that have happened to me in my life. Because it's like, I believe most high performance environment people, like people who are in high performance environments, like 
like that something happened to them growing up they, they're either suffering with their ego or they don't think they're enough so they're searching for more that's what i think i am i didn't feel like i was enough growing up so i'm searching for external validation to make sure make mm. me feel enough and like i know you're never going to find happiness through external validation <laughs> um it's only with how i feel about myself and i'm slowly changing it but it's a long process i think it's a lifelong process i think we're all looking mm. for validation yeah I don't yeah. think I wanted to yeah. I don't think anyone I wanted to be for myself yeah I wanted to be for myself though and yeah. it really it doesn't help the like social media and stuff like that we get it from other people and it's all service level but it does make us feel something or else we wouldn't go on it um I think it's you know chemically I mean? proven like that you get a dopamine surge from you know likes and Instagram and stuff so you're not alone there I think it's yeah a phenomenon yeah I just wanted to like feel, I don't, my inner critic is very loud. Like mm. any performance, good or bad, it's like, it's either what's next or that wasn't good enough. Like that's what my inner critic is telling me after every boxing performance, even life decisions. Yeah. It's like, you can do better or like, it's just never like, hey, you did good. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's also a product of our times as well. Cause we're kind of in this very fast moving society where it's like, what's next? You know, you can always go online and buy something. You can always go on and order some food. You know, dating apps also sort of show you that you can go out there and find someone new in five seconds. Yeah, shop shop for humans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I, I, I know so many people have met incredible partners on there, but I think the culture sort of pushes us into consumerism, mm. but also with ourselves. You know, we're like, what's mm. next? What's next? Yeah, and that's so true. It's just like we're never like... It's like the world we're living in now. It's like they sell us all these products on TV, social media. They sell us all these products and like make us feel like we're not enough. We need yeah. that to like... And it's like that's how they get us. It's, I'm just like... They, they rely on insecurities for their businesses yeah. to... I'm like, ah, oh, damn, this world is so, so crazy. That's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> Everyone listens to this and thinks, oh, they also have low self-esteem. Yeah. <laughs> That's so comforting. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you have like a favourite fight? I mean, it's interesting that I ask you this question after what you just said, but is there some like memorable moment where you had a feeling or maybe, you know, a certainty about something in life after a particular moment? Yeah, I think in a boxing sense, there's been two moments. Um, winning my first national championship when I was 18. How old are you now? 24. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when I was 18, won my first national championship after failing four times prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, I remember that prep, that preparation, I was like really young and naive and brazen. And I was just like, I'm going to dedicate everything to these next 10 weeks and just make sure I'm fully prepared. And I even had an ultimatum in my head, like, if I don't succeed, at least I tried, but that's enough. Like, I'm going to box because I love the sport, but I'm not going to keep torturing myself and failing. Um, So I gave myself an ultimatum and I gave everything to that preparation and it paid off. Um, That was a really satisfying, the sense of achievement when you've, like, not turned your back on yourself and you really sh- I showed up for myself. Mm. Um, also as well, 2018, the Commonwealth Games um, gold medal, that was like the moment where I felt like I cemented myself on mm. the international boxing stage. It's so incredible. 
How many, I know like very little about the sport, but how many sort of pro boxers are there from Australia? Uh, we've actually got like a lot of, maybe it's our convict <laughs> roots. I'm not sure. But we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of fighters here. Um, yeah. So there's, there's actually a lot, like probably the high level though. Mm. Uh, maybe like 50 all up and they're like yep. obviously varying in, in where they sit internationally, but there is some like really quality fighters here. Wow. So interesting. Have you ever been really injured? Uh, the that only silly injuries... question to ask a boxer. <laughs> it's like, oh, you probably get hurt more in football. Yeah. Um, I got put in hospital for football when I was nine or 10. I've never been put in hospital for boxing. So um, it's like culturally, which I think is bad. It's like we never really check on concussions or you don't really get MRI scans. You sort of just like sweep it under the rug. I've had one MRI scan and that was a big thing for me to overcome and actually get one. Been boxing since I was nine. Yeah, it'd be scary. I had one last year and and I was just like, my brain was fine, so, um, which, is gra- <laughs> which is great news. <laughs> well, congratulations. I think that would be a big <laughs> build-up if you've been boxing your whole life. Yeah, um, and I think, I don't know if I if I ever have kids, like, I don't know if, I'll, like, if they wanted to do it, I'd let them do it, but, like... Like I don't, I don't know. If starting at nine years old, like our brain's still developing, and I was like copying some serious blows. And I had a weird relationship growing up with, like, I was blackout drunk when I was ten. Um, like I had two older brothers who like sort of led me down a weird path, like mm. substances and stuff like that early on in my life as well. Um, like I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, my brain is taking some damage over its years. Yeah, well, it seems like you're like stimulating your neuron growth through all this introspective discussion so they're probably all just growing back now (laughs) i hope so (laughs) okay so who who have been the women or gender diverse people in your life who have inspired you oh so probably close to home obviously my mum he my mum's always been my mum's a medium Mm -hmm. talks to dead people Mm -hmm. um always been extremely spiritual her whole life like from from maybe 10 onwards, like, I always remember, like, crystals and tarot cards and stuff like that in the house. Mm. Um, and, like, coming having a dad who's, like, real old school would, like, be taking the piss out of mum. But, like, mum really believes it. And, like, I know my mum isn't a bullshitter. Like, I know, you mean, she, like, anything she believes, she believes it with her whole heart. And it's, like, having that mum growing up who's, like, very, like, you mean, spiritual and into some weird, weird and wonderful things. She's been a massive role model for me. Um, probably as well, like athletic wise, Lydia Lasilla, who's an absolute champion, um, 2010 gold medalist in the winter Olympics. Um, she had like a crazy story in 2014 as well. And she's someone who I admire. DR Khan, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of her. Um, she, yeah, she's a Muslim lady journalist and she spent, um, like six months or something on the front line with white supremacists. Um, and she, like, it was the head of the white supremacist group, um, and she changed him over time just by listening to him, not judging him. And I'm like, and there's a good podcast, so I'll send it to you after this. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Just like through what, how you can, you mean, know, see someone's perspective just by like listening to them and not judging them. Mm. Um, and yeah, she obviously doesn't agree with with his beliefs, but she understands that we're all human. Um, yeah, and it was a beautiful podcast. And him now, the white supremacist. So gave gave up 
the life obviously took a process. Um, but yeah, I think she says in the podcast, like five or six years later, um, they stayed in contact briefly and, and he, yeah, finally walked away from that world and, um, like pretty crazy when you really think about it. Yeah. Well, it just shows that, um, connection and humanity and like conversation can really change people. Yeah, she even states that, like, she thinks the reason behind, like, she spent time with jihadists as well, as well in, like, the Middle East. And she's like, the reason behind their, like, love is that it's from love. Like, they want to feel love and they feel that from from yeah. that group. They're, that group takes them in. That's all they want is, like, love and, like, to feel a sense of a group and community. So it's like, then the beliefs are pushed on them. But it's like, the real reason why they're there is because they didn't feel love. They didn't feel heard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah so it's like... It's really interesting, the sort of... The extremist mentality, like how they all have a lot of similar traits, you know, whether whether it's jihadists or, you know, white supremacists or or anything, mm. anti-vaxxers or, yeah, you know, they've all got a sort of, they group together to sort of reassure yeah. themselves, I think. I think the world we live in now as well, like on social media, we like see the people who are similar to us. Mm-hmm. Or the people who are the complete opposite to us. So it just creates this divide. It's quite... Yeah, it's very polarising and everything is just expressed through a shared meme on people's stories. So the depth of the issue is not very... You know, and I'm guilty of that. I, po- I repost mm. stuff about what's going on in the world and then I think... Mm, it's, you know, the, it's a very shallow paradigm. Mm. You know? Yeah, I feel you 100%. <laughs> Um, so do you wear jewellery? Uh, not really, actually. I used to have my ears pierced when I was younger, but... We'll change With boxing, yeah, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like, like I think just like my whole life, like I've just never, I used to wear a necklace a lot, um, but then I lost it. So (laughs) that was when I was like a teenager. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because we've done, we did some interesting shoots with, um, a model. I'll send you the link and... We had some online sort of troll, <laughs> some like haters because the, ma- the the model we had him, you know, wearing some of our women's collection jewellery, like a string of pearls. And then, you know, I had like a couple of orchids behind his ear and I had a lot of men on Facebook writing like really annoyed comments like who would wear this? What kind of a man would wear this? And yeah, which I Just thought the, was so the- interesting. Yeah, it's just the world we live in, isn't it? Like, the, I couldn't, I couldn't really care less. I received some some backlash from painting my nails, from things that's happened from the Olympics and stuff like that. But it's just like, there's a good quote that I heard. I think it was from Gabor Mate or mm. Esther Perel, um, who were two absolute legends. One of them, and it's like people are just doing the best they can with what they know. And once I heard that, it honestly changed my whole perspective and my judgment is like very, very minimal now. Yeah. Uh, because it's like, regardless of anyone's beliefs, they're just doing the best they can with what they know. Yeah. No, I just find it interesting why people would be challenged by what someone else wears. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to wear it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's not on you. I'm not asking, forcing you to buy it. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, it, no, it's, a, it's an interesting world. We just left all the comments there. We were like, we'll just leave them. It's fine. Good as. All of you who are listening and would like to follow Harry on Instagram, it's Harry underscore 
Garside. How else can we find you, Gary? Gary. Uh, I just called you Gary. <laughs> How else can actually, we find you, Harry? <laughs> Harry Gary. It's actually a running, running, running joke. People call me Gary Harside in about four or five. I think that's groups. why it just ca- rolled off my tongue. Rolls, rolls off the tongue. Gary Harside actually works really well. Yeah. <laughs> but it is Harry Garside. Um, so on Twitter as well, Harry Garside 2. And then on Facebook, just Harry Garside. They're Great. The three platforms I use. Can we find um, images or videos of you boxing on yeah. YouTube? Yeah, so YouTube, there would be clips of past fights. Um, I post some stuff on Instagram as well. Uh, but yeah, probably YouTube is the best place if you want to find full fights of boxing. One of my team members really wants to do boxing. Do you offer private lessons? Uh, when COVID's not around, yes. Absolutely. Um, I'm also, I'm, yeah, I'm also in different places. So True. wherever your friends are. Yeah, if they're in the same place, hit me up. Great. Well, we could do like a Cleopatra's Bling corporate boxing tutorial with you. Yes, I'd love that. <laughs> We're not very boxy people, but we can try. <laughs> It'd be good. Yeah, no, They're the best good. people to get. No, the best we'll, people to get. We'll do it. I'll let her know. I'll message her after and say Harry Garside mm. has agreed to private lessons. Yeah, I feel honestly feel like you think boxing is an aggressive sport. But it I isn't feel like though. The people... The people who are the least aggressive are the most successful. Yeah, no like emotion. I was not to blow in my own trumpet, but I was really good at it. And the, my boxing teacher was like, "You, like you're a good boxer." I was like, "Great." Yes, get back to it. Yeah, we'll get you a fight by the end of the year. Yeah, I'll. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have a little fight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Harry on the Cleopatra's Bling podcast. For more information on Harry, follow him on Instagram at Harry underscore Garside. And be sure to check out the youth-orientated non-for-profit, The Reach Foundation, which Harry supports. To see how I have been inspired to put my passion for diverse gender expression into practice through my designs, check out the Antony by Cleopatra's Bling range on our website. These pieces, designed in larger sizes, celebrate the best parts of what it is to be masculine. Listeners might like the Pera Ring, meaning Great House, an ancient name for the pharaohs, or be intrigued by the Argo Pendant for you or the adventurous man in your life. This podcast was produced by Liam Goff and the Cleopatra's Bling team with original music by Cameron Alva. If you liked the show, share it with a friend and leave us a few stars on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're signed up to the newsletter on cleopatrasbling.com to keep up with the newest updates on all things Cleopatra's Bling. Until next time, stay curious.